0: Welcome to Smash Notes, a podcast that brings you weekly summaries of the best podcasts on the internet. Today in the podcast, we're going to try to do something different. Instead of me providing you with segments, I've invited a guest contributor. Stuart Alsop III is the founder of a podcast called Crazy Wisdom, a podcast where he interviews successful creative people, people who think different. And he uses that to figure out how to improve his own life. It's genius. So to set the stage a little bit, Stuart actually grew up in Silicon Valley, and he didn't like it. Today on Smash Notes, he's going to explore the past, the present, and the future of Silicon Valley through a conversation between Eric Weinstein and Peter Thiel. If you'd like to explore this topic further with Stuart, the links to his profile, his podcast, and so forth are in the show notes. I encourage you to find him and start a conversation. All right, Stuart, take it from here.
1: I've been listening to the Peter Thiel and Eric Weinstein podcast on Eric Weinstein's Portal podcast, and so Peter Thiel has been very influential in my life, and uh, it was amazing to hear this podcast with Peter Thiel and Eric Weinstein, where Eric is more on the left politically speaking, Peter Thiel is more on the right, but they have this good nature investigation of the truth of scientific discovery and progress, and their thought is is that it is solved. In the world of atoms, if you think about it from the 1930s to the 1980s, there was so much innovation. We had nuclear power plants. We had the car. We had refrigerators, electricity. Well, you know, electricity, that national grids. Uh, and then in the last 50 years, all we've had is innovation in bits, in software. Uh, so I'm going to include a few episodes uh, or a few cuts from from this episode that i think highlight this point really well
2: the 1930s was still a period that was very healthy in terms of background scientific technological innovation if we just sure. rattle off what was discovered in the 1930s that had real world practical things it was um the aviation industry got off the ground the uh, talkies and the movies got um um got going you had um you had the plastics industry you had the uh Um, you know, you had secondary oil recovery, you had household appliances got developed. uh, And, um, and, you know, by 1939, there were three times as many people who had cars in the U.S. as in 1929. And so uh, it was, there was this crazy uh, tailwind of scientific and technological progress that then somehow got, you know, badly mismanaged financially by whoever you blame the crash on.
1: As I was editing that small clip that I just played of Peter Thiel's monologue on the technological innovation directly after the 1930s, I started to pay more attention to what they were really saying immediately before this clip. And they were talking about narratives and the narratives of institutions and how our institutions are starting to market propaganda about the state. And a really interesting point that Peter Thiel brought in, and also Eric Weinstein brought in, that I hadn't previously thought of, was... Propaganda from technology companies. So now we're in an era where we have had a company, Google, own 90% of search traffic for a very long time. Uh, and they're not this small startup anymore. They are a very, very powerful organization that is transnational and that also owns the channels of the internet, uh, how we channel information. Uh, and they have narratives and they propagate those narratives for financial goals that have. And I think the key important point here is that those d- goals don't necessarily contribute to technological innovation, which Eric and Peter are calling for, uh, and not only in the sense of bits, but in the sense of atoms
2: as well. I've been talking about the this uh, the the tech stagnation problem for um for you know the better part of a decade, and I think when I was talking about this in 2008, 2009, 2010, this was still you know, a a fringy view. It was very fringy within Silicon Valley. And I think even within Silicon Valley, there's sort of a lot of people who've come around to it, who've partially come around to it. Um, uh, There's a sense that tech has a bad conscience. It feels like it's not delivering the promises. Um, You know, Google had this propaganda about the future and it's now seen as, you know, the self-driving cars are further away than people expected. And so I think think there is sort of a sense that, uh, Things have shifted a lot over the last decade. But even like
3: five years ago, I mean, it, it feels to me, I uh, I moved out to work with you in 2013. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen a boom before. I mean, this was mm-hmm. one of the things that was really important to me is that being in academics, mm-hmm. um, the academy had been in a depression since this uh, change around 1972, 73. And seeing a boom mm-hmm. and seeing people with like, flowers and dollar signs in their eyes, you know, talking about a world of abundance and how everything was going to be great. It seemed like everybody was the CEO or CTO of some mm-hmm. tiny company. Um, and then very, very quickly it, it all started to change. And I felt like a lot of people moved back into the behemoths, uh, from their little startup, uh, mm-hmm. having failed a lot of the ideology felt poisonous. Like don't be evil was not even something you could utter, Uh, without somebody snickering behind your back. There's like a self-hating component where the engineers have been recruited Mm -hmm. ideologically and are like not actually there to do business. This last point
1: that Eric Weinstein makes about the ideological conversion of engineers into a groupthink of Silicon Valley is a very important one. We as human beings tend to put other people into boxes of us versus them. This is unavoidable. It is not a thing that we can choose. This is something that happens to us. We do have influence, however. We can change who we put into an us versus them. We'll always have that them, those people that will transgress our morals regardless of what they do, mostly having to do with our perception of them. And this happens in technology. And the key thing that I've seen over the years as I've lived and was born in this place and I've seen 1997 happen, have seen 2008 happen, I've seen multiple bubbles rise and collapse, and every time there's a rise, people tend to form groups about winning. They're winners now. All those people that used to call us nerds are now Calling us winners, and they feel good about that. And that creates this ideology. And growing up here, I had to leave. I had to leave this place in order to get out of that and understand how the world really works, because the rest of the world is not like Silicon Valley. Um, and so I ended up living abroad for many years, learning different languages, really kind of finding out how people act and behave outside of this weird bubble. But they have their own bubbles. It's, 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 it is a, unarguable fact of human nature that we create and feel comfortable inside of bubbles. And this comes into another point that I discover and I am investigating in my show, which is a sort of, we have these winners now people. It's like now technology has come to the, the technology community has come to the conclusion that we are the winners from now on that, 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 that whatever else happens to the economy in terms of other things, technology will be the one where we, we continue to make money and continue to win. <clears throat> now, the point that I'm investigating in my show is that there's also this other component of spirituality, meditation techniques, yoga. These things, which had been silently used by these tech founders and all these other people for quite a long time, are now starting to come out more out into the open. And what most people don't realize, what I had to go through myself, is realizing that there are traps when we start doing this, that when we start to take things that we learn in the spiritual world and try to attain material power with those things, that we get warped, that our motives get warped. Uh, And so I'm actually investigating this, and I'm just going to share a little clip of my own show, Crazy Wisdom, that gets to this point, and then I'll wrap it back up with some points from Peter Thiel. So the following clip comes from my interview with Vinay Gupta, the CEO of Materium, a blockchain initiative to bring some more transparency into uh, how we prove ownership of assets. And what's really, I'll let you listen to this. It is something that I think anybody in San Francisco should listen to and at least argue with and at least take it in them and, and wrestle with it because you can't just ignore the homeless. You, you have to, you have to understand what, why is it happening? What are the things behind it? Instead of just putting them into a them situation, understand them, figure out what's going on. So hopefully you'll listen to this with an open mind. The relationship between spirituality and technology is particularly what I think you would have a good Insight into is the pitfalls, uh, the the spiritual materialism, spiritual bypassing that happens very commonly once people start becoming aware of these techniques, um, and and just kind of w- what we can do about that.
4: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, the the first thing here is that I mean, there's just there's no there's no way around this, right? People are monsters. Mm. And it's way more helpful for us to start the spiritual question with people are monsters and then figure out what to do about it than, you know, take on this kind of perspective on human nature that everything is kind of hunky-dory except for a few exceptions, right? The exceptions are the rule, Mm. right? Every single person that walks past, you know, some homeless person with, you know, gangrene or whatever the hell the problem happens to be. That doesn't take that person to a hospital is complicit in that person's death. Mm -hmm. The entire system that's been kept in place generation after generation after generation, right, where healthcare is rationed, is complicit in that person's death, right? And we may say, look, you know, America carries something like 90% of the world's burden for doing medical research. Right? The sacrifice that we make as a society for that is lack of access to healthcare because the healthcare is super expensive, but when we figure out how to cure something, everybody benefits. And you could sit down and justify the cost-benefit analysis that causes that to happen. Mm. Right, But at the end of the day, if you went to an alien society, you, know, you went there through a wormhole or a spaceship or something like that, and they had these enormous chrome gleaming towers and a whole bunch of you know, filthy, starving beggars in the street, addicted to drugs and short psychiatric medication, you'd think, my God, these people are monsters. Mm -hmm. Because much as we freak out about things like racism in America, right, there is no ethnic group which is as substantially persecuted as poor people with mental health problems. Mm
1: -hmm. Right? And when that's, that's, you know, growing up here, I remember that the... Well, I think it happened before I was I was born. But but in the 1970s, 1960s, uh, people were in, in institutions when they had issues like that. And then if, I think it was 1980s, 1990s, deregulation. They were then let out um, and kind of to fend for themselves. And it really hasn't changed for that. That that hasn't changed. So if you're listening to this and you just listened to this clip from Vinay and you kind of dabbled your feet in meditation techniques and are looking to get some more well-being, Please understand that these techniques are not necessarily productivity techniques. They get you in touch with deeper level, levels of reality of nature that will upend a lot of what you think you know to be true. It uh, doesn't mean stop, do them, but just go into them with wise eye, eyes wide open, uh, knowing that that it is you are dealing with your own sense of uncertainty and peering into that uncertainty, and you don't know what will come up. Uh, so it's really important just to understand that as we're as we're going into it and it's really interesting where this goes because now we've got in San Francisco where I've grown up left for 10 years and now have come back and I'm living here again what I'm starting to see is this rise of the winning technology class that is pretty similar to the other urban classes all over the world uh, that are the elite urban classes but there's something a little bit different about it. And I see this rise of technology um and this this essentially very, very powerful class that's growing. And you know, look at Bitcoin. Think about how many millionaires were just made of from Bitcoin. And think of those people who those people are. A lot of them people are programmers. A lot of them are, are part of this technology class which has already gotten so much revenue from Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple, trillion dollar company the equity of which was owned by this class here in silicon valley so huge wealth creation that's now getting tied to spiritual practice i believe is getting tied to spiritual practice you can see this for yourself if you're in san francisco and you want to go to something called ecstatic dance see a lot of tech founders there. There's this place in San Francisco called The Center where most of the startup founders go and also most of the hippies go. And this is the interesting thing that I investigate in my, in my show Crazy Wisdom, which is this, this weird thing that's happening where the hippies are merging with the tech founders. And maybe they weren't even separate to begin with. You know, 1960s, 1970s, a lot of the techno, technical innovation was done by a lot of the people who were experimenting with psychedelics and creating this new age thought. New age thought also comes from San Francisco. Uh, so it's something really interesting and it I want to tie it back to Peter Thiel's point and what I see the future of technological innovation, at least in this bit bit sense in this in the software sense.
3: It feels to me that almost all of our institutions are carbon copies of each other at different levels of quality, and that there are only a tiny number of actually innovative institutions. Mm-hmm. It used to be, that you know, Reed College was sex, drugs, and Goethe, and you had you know, St. John's uh, with the great books curriculum that d- didn't look like anything else, or Deep Springs, and the University of Chicago was crazy about young people. But the diversity of institutions is unbelievably low. I see this as a really important point because
1: if you want diversity of thought and diversity of experience, I would highly recommend that you don't go into a university. You don't go into any sort of institution, large company. I mean, you you can learn things in those places. You can definitely learn things. Uh, but to learn things that other people aren't learning, you need to experience diversity. And this gets into a really interesting trend that I see of this essentially distributed work, where work is no longer being established to a certain place and time almost, uh, and that it's distributed across the globe. It happens asynchronously. It doesn't depend on your what you're wearing or what school you went to or w- all this bullshit, uh, but actually depends on whether you can do the work. And that is really interesting because that allows me to go to Brazil. I can go live in Brazil and get access to a totally different culture with a totally different language and understand these diverse ways of thinking because we as human beings are plastic. Our, our whole neurology is set up to learn from our environments. And if you stick yourself in a, in a bubble, whether that's in San Francisco or Kansas or even Brazil, if you're Brazilian, and you say, I'm going to stick in this bubble because that's where I feel comfortable, it's a really bad way to open yourself up to new ways of thought, new ways of, of experiencing life. Also getting back into spiritual techniques you don't need to go anywhere to do this you can also unplug through finding liberation from your conditioned existence as a individual human being you don't need to go anywhere you can do it at home uh, also getting into remote work it's like all of it's coming together in this way that might not be clear to you and if it isn't clear please uh, find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, III and let me know what you think. If you've disagreed with anything that I've said here, I want to hear it. I want my mental model to be uh, better. I want it to be anti-fragile. Um, and if you do, if you do like what I've offered here, that little clip from Vinay, uh, all of it can be found by finding crazy wisdom on iTunes uh, and subscribing there. Uh, hopefully this was of value to do it. I create a lot of content because I really enjoy providing value from all the varied experiences that I have and I really like these people who think outside the box and make me question my own assumptions and so if you're one of those people I want to hear from you I want to understand your worldview and adapt mine based on it um hope you guys have a great day and thank you Kirill for allowing me this opportunity to uh to make a few Interesting insights from this wonderful discussion with Peter Thiel and Eric Weinstein, which I highly recommend you listening to the full three hours. Uh, Have a great day. Bye. Hey, Kirill
0: here again. So what do you think? This episode was a little bit different from the usual Smash Notes. Would you like to see more guests? If so, which podcasts, which topics? Let me know. It's feedback at smashnotes.com, and I'd love to hear everything you have to say about this. And lastly, and this ties perfectly into what Stuart said, If you'd like to get out of your bubble, then you need to find something that isn't the same way, not not the way you're used to. So why don't we experiment? What are you into? You know, if you're a Republican, why don't I find you something Democratic? And if you're into science, why not find some religious podcast? And so forth. I think it might be actually pretty cool. So if you want to email me and let me know what topics you're deeply passionate about, I'll find you the anti-topics, and that will guarantee to get you out of that bubble and teach you something new. How about that? Think about it. Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode of Smash Notes. All the links are in the show notes. Uh, Check out smashnotes.com slash subscribe if you're not yet a subscriber. And come back next week for more awesome notes. I'll talk to you then. Goodbye.